Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com. Go over there. Get all of your MMA news. Uh, if you're watching live on YouTube, leave us a thumbs up. Subscribe. We are posting news videos. We have boxing news, podcasts, lots of cool stuff over here uh, at FightfulMMA.com. James Lynch is on assignment for another outlet. He's not here. Showdown Joe will offer his thoughts on Tuesday uh, as well as the thoughts about Mirko Krokop and his untimely retirement. Uh, Godspeed to him. But we've got UFC 235 to talk about right now. If you weren't in our live discussion today, man, you were missing out. 1,500-plus comments from other wonderful MMA fans, viewers, and the like. Uh, it was a good time. Let me know if you have any questions. If you do, I'll do my best to answer them. We have fight review videos, uh, shorter recaps, all that good stuff. But, man... It was wild, UFC 235. Now, I'm not going to pretend that the two main events on this show were outstanding must-watch fights. They weren't. But important things happened on this show. So let's go ahead and get into it uh, from the start. Hannah Cyphers defeated Pollyanna Viana via split decision. I, I feel I felt, felt that Hannah needed to win this fight, and while Viana lost her second in a row, she probably has another fight before she's cut. Uh, Cyphers made this a dirty fight and was particularly exciting and willing to exchange at the end of the fight. Uh, Cyphers even took down Viana at one point, but let her back up. It's one of those fights where the stat sheet said Viana had more significant strikes and took two of the three rounds in that regard. But Cyphers deserved to win this fight. This was the right call. Uh, Macy Shiasen dropped Gina Mazzani. Gina Mazzani, I thought, came into this fight with everyone counting her out and didn't really have a lot to lose. Uh, what she did lose, however, was her consciousness. And she was one of my I got five on it picks, but I didn't think that she awesome was going to lose this one. She awesome broke away from the clinch and just poured on a sick combination. It dropped Mazzani, and she awesome followed up until the ref stepped in and called it. Now, they kept on touting 5-0, and 5-0. and I'm pretty sure she's actually 4-0, but she's 10-2 and between amateur, pro, and exhibition and uh, says that she feels better at 135 than any point in her career. Megan Anderson kind of <laughs> took a little shot at the fact that the 145-pound tough winner moved to 135, but it's a dead division. I don't. I know what Megan Anderson wants, and I don't blame her. But 
145 ain't happening. There's nobody there. Chiasen had to go to uh, 135. And um, Joseph Boza says she admitted she has to run 30 miles a week to cut down to 135. She's about 170, 175 when she doesn't fight. Wow. Wow. When I hear that, I'm like, man, I, you know, granted, I don't know how she's built outside of out, outside of uh, a fight week, but man, she's five foot nine, and Jessamyn Duke was a five foot ten, five foot eleven that was making one thirty five. Never had issues making one thirty five. That needs to be managed a little bit better. Uh, needs to get with somebody about that. Edmund Shabazian defeated uh, Charles Bird with a sick elbow. You got to watch this fight. Bird shot in and immediately got elbowed out of consciousness with the Travis Brown elbows, the Conor McGregor elbows, so to speak. McGregor did use them before in Cage Warriors. Edmund moves on to 9-0, but I don't know if even nine people were in the crowd to see this fight. Let's talk about the fun stuff. Another one of my I got five on it picks was Diego Sanchez. I was shocked at how the betting lines with someone so experienced against someone who was so relatively inexperienced in comparison could be so wide. There wasn't a lot that showed me that Mickey Gall was like some sort of phenom that, that Diego Sanchez couldn't be. Now, sure, Mickey Gall was what, four, four and one, five and one. Yeah, he was five and one. He beat George Sullivan and Sage Northcutt, and those were good wins. Those really were. But there has not been a lot that I've seen out of him that I thought, you know what? Diego Sanchez can't handle that. This is Diego's 28th UFC fight. Gall was way more aggressive during this, and it was tough for Sanchez to overcome early. But Gall was trying his luck with punches, leg kicks, and combos in the clinch and doing well. But Diego Sanchez's wrestling was still there, and it was very impressive. He missed a very easy hammerlock opening that Gall actually almost did to himself. But where I, I sympathized yet, I, I don't know how to put it, sympathized yet said, ah, maybe don't do that, was Gall throwing those elbows from the bottom. That's really the only offensive strike aspect of that uh, <laughs> was, was that he could throw elbows. But man... Diego sees that and he says, you know what? I'm going to throw elbows downward towards your ribs. And it opened up Gall. And it it just led to Sanchez putting Gall down even more later on in the fight and ground and pounding him until the ref stops it. How about this? Diego Sanchez picked up his first back-to-back wins since 2010 to 2011. It was his first stoppage since June 2008. Amazing. Watch this fight. Number 12, Cody Stamen defeated number 13, Alejandro Perez via unanimous decision. Alejandro Perez had been on a seven-fight unbeaten streak. He's now 7-2-1, and one, I think, in the UFC. But <clears throat> Perez did not have a lot for Stamen in the early rounds. Uh, but there are some decent exchanges. Perez, at one point, does what is called the Daniel Cormier driver, if you all watch ever have seen Vinny Massaro wrestle, Lucha Underground fame. It's that Daniel Cormier slam where you do the high crotch and then you turn them inside out. I love it. And legitimately, Vinny Massaro's uh, move that he does there, it's it's one of my favorite in wrestling history. It is unbelievable. It's a must-see. <clears throat> Even that's not over enough to overcome the pressure of Stamen. 
Uh, Stamen has won three of four, but all by decision. So I would not expect him to get off the prelims anytime soon, even if he's on an ESPN card. Um, Bantamweight division's wrestler heavy. It, I, I look at that division and I'm like, man, you got Marlon Marias. He's ready. Good. We'll talk about Garbrandt and Cruz a little bit later. You got Aljamain Sterling. That's nice. You want him on the right track. Peter Yan's looking good too, but there are not a lot of big prospects that come out and scream, wow, put them on a main event. Not a lot. I'll tell you who is screaming, put me on a main event. Johnny Walker, even though he's got a dislocated shoulder. So this was a huge fight for Walker and Serkinov both. Uh, Walker winning this launches him into a top 15 or top 10 fight in the division. As he's number 15, Serkinov is number 14. And Serkinov needed a win to stay relevant. Serkinov did not win. He threw a, a kick early on that looked like it hurt Walker, but there was just this, this nasty, nasty flying knee that connected. I've got the highlight up on YouTube right now. It's just brutal. Immediately crumbled uh, Serkinov. Walker finishes up, and then he does a flat fall into the ground on purpose and dislocates his shoulder. And he was—he's got this special kind of charisma. He's so happy. He's so special. This is a future John Jones opponent. Do I think he's the next one? No, I don't. But this is a future John Jones opponent. Now, this division can afford a prospect being picked off. Well, why is that? Because they got several. They got Dom Reyes. They got Corey Anderson, who's kind of there. Anthony Smith just lost. Uh, He can fight anybody. I wouldn't hate to see Johnny Walker fight Anthony Smith next. Wouldn't hate to see it. Then you could easily say, okay, Johnny Walker beat the guy who just competed for the title. Let's go ahead and throw him in there. I don't know how much more ready Johnny Walker's going to get by the time that they eventually give him this title shot. He's 17 and three. He's not new. He's been fighting for five years. So this isn't like some guy who's like four and oh. And in my estimation, Tiago Santos should get the next shot. Our boy Nikita Krylov fan was here watching the show with us. And he said, well, maybe they can run back Anthony Smith and Tiago Santos. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Daniel Cormier is not coming back to light heavyweight. Alex Gustafson just got beat. Anthony Smith just got beat. Volkan Ozdemir can't win. Jan Blahovic can't, can't, or just lost. It's not going to be Anderson. It's not going to be Reyes. Tiago Santos has earned that spot. He has a win over Anthony Smith. Tiago Santos is putting people away. He just beat Blahovic. He beat Manawa. He beat Anders, who's probably going to be a pretty decent light heavyweight. I love this light heavyweight division. This light heavyweight division is far better than anybody is giving it credit for. Now, I'm not talking about the Ovin St. Prue's or the Mauricio Shogun Huas or the Jimmy Manawas or, or even Blahovich or Gustafson or Cormier. I'm talking Santos. I'm talking Dom Reyes. I'm talking Johnny Walker, Ian Kutilaba. I like these guys. When, when I look at, at the, the way that this UFC division, Jim Crute, I, I like the way that he's looking so far. Stasic, I'm liking him too. There are about six or seven guys that I look at and I say they could be good or they are good. And I like the idea of 
Santos against John Jones next. John Jones wants to fight soon. Good. Santos is the wave. That's the way to go. Throw, throw them together. Do it in May or June if, he, if he's good to go. Number 13, Zabit defeated number six, Jeremy Stevens. This was not a great fight. This was a glorified sparring match that had some spinning shit in it. Jeremy Stevens gets hit right in the heathens. Good ball punch or ball kick there. Zabit continues to win. At this point, I think you got to give him a, a top five opponent. There's not a lot for me to break down. This was Zabit doing what Zabit did, and it's, it's time for him to get a top five opponent. Now, the future of the featherweight division is called into question here. Brian Ortega just lost. Frankie Edgar is always around, so to speak. He still exists, but hey, he he got a win over, over Swanson, so he's still up there. Jose Aldo wants to retire, so he says at the end of the year. So do you put as a beat in there with Jose Aldo? Do you hope that Jose Aldo loses? And because he's probably fighting in Brazil next. Do you run Zabit and Jose Aldo in Brazil? I could see that headlining a show. Probably not going to be the desired result that Brazil wants, but hey, given Jose Aldo starching Moicano, I'm not writing him off. In fact, I might pick him to win. He's got some outstanding defensive wrestling, even at this stage. Throws some great leg kicks, can exploit a lot of holes that Zabit has. I don't think you put Zabit in there against a Moicano who's coming off of a loss. I don't know what that does. You know who I wouldn't hate on a co-main event along with Zabit? Well, I wouldn't hate Volkanovsky in there. Don't know the plausibility of such a thing, but uh, Volkanovsky also wanted to fight Aldo, says Brownsworthy in the live chat. New waves coming, guys. There's a lot of exciting prospects. If you all uh, listen to my picks, I picked number nine, Pedro Munoz, to beat number two, Cody Garbrandt. The Naked Gambler said, it's like somebody on Twitter dared Cody to drop his lead hand and throw his face into his opponent's uh, counter right, and he's been doing it for three straight fights. Yeah. Munoz dropped down for a leg lock early on but couldn't get it. Uh, Garbrandt had great speed, and I thought really good footwork, but... Munoz got in, landed his leg kicks and a nice combo. Garbrandt started to move much slower, and Cody got cracked. And then he did what I thought he should have done. He lured Munoz into a slugfest. However, it didn't work out for him. This was awesome to watch. It was not awesome for Cody Garbrandt's career because it is the story of the last two and a half years of Cody Garbrandt's career. Him finding himself into situations... Working himself into a shoot, so to speak. He's now riding a three-fight losing streak, all because he drops his lead hand and abandons defense. Munoz has won seven of his last eight fights. They got to get a, a... Okay, I say they got to get a big-name opponent for Pedro Munoz. Well, obviously, the man's got to be a top five. And if it's not Dominic Cruz, I don't know if he's going to fight again. I don't know when he's going to be good to go. I don't think it could be a Sun Sal. A Sun Sal just lost. I'd go Aljamain Sterling, even though that's that's sliding down in the rankings. Pedro Munoz is the truth. 
Pedro Munoz is very good. When I looked at Cody Garbrandt's skill set, I said, man, he's awfully susceptible to that overhand right. And I don't think he's going to try to take down Pedro Munoz despite his skill set. Because one, why would you? Why would you take down Pedro Munoz? You want to get knee barred real bad, I guess. So for as dumb as as it was for Cody Garbrandt, he is a traditionally impatient fighter. That's the Cody Garbrandt we know. At least the Cody Garbrandt we've known in recent years. And that's the Cody Garbrandt that showed up tonight. That's the Cody Garbrandt that is has lost three straight fights. It's the Cody Garbrandt that has not won since 2016. Now, this was not the Cody Garbrandt we saw in the Dominic Cruz fight. That was him at his peak. Unfortunately, that peak's gone. And at 27 years old, it's, it's wild to think. Usually, it doesn't happen. Now, can Cody Garbrandt get back to the mountaintop? Well, I don't know. I don't think he ain't beaten Dillashaw. I think he could beat Munoz if he went back to the drawing board and had a three round fight. I think he could outpoint Munoz in a rematch, but I don't think he's getting that anytime soon. I'd probably have him fight uh, John Lineker, John Dodson. I think that's the right way to go at this point. You got you got Garbrandt. You can throw him against Lineker. That's a hell of a co-main or a main on an ESPN thing. Joseph Boza says, I think Dominic will fight once he gets a shot at TJ. For what? Why does Dominic Cruz deserve a shot at TJ? I, I don't see it. I'm looking at the next time that Dominic Cruz fights, it'll have been three years since he got a win. Dominic Cruz has, let's see, in the last eight and a half years, Dominic Cruz has a win over one person that is in the UFC right now. One fight, that's TJ Dillashaw. As things stand, Dominic Cruz has wins over two people on the current UFC roster. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Benavidez and, and Dillashaw, a couple of good ones, but just because he beat Dillashaw three years ago doesn't mean that, that he deserves a title shot. And I, I know that he thinks he's the champion, and that's that's good and dandy, but when you didn't fight all 2017, you didn't fight all 2018, and there's a Marla Marias there. There's other people in the way. This is one of the great one-round Bantamweight fights of all time. Watch this fight. <clears throat> Wiley Zhang defeated Tisha Torres. I thought Tisha Torres was going to be too much. Uh, this was an odd fight to put on the pay-per-view. Can, not, not, not a bad fight by any stretch. Just odd that they had this on the fight, uh, on the card, the pay-per-view card, considering I figured they would want Zhang saw by, seen by a, a wider base. Torres has really good footwork and stifles Zhang with kicks the first round is back and forth with both women finding success on the top but Zhang finishes the fight on top smothering Torres and racking up points 
time for her to to get a to get another big name as well. I mean, Tisha Torres was a damn good one. You want to talk about out of the frying pan into the fire? Is that is that the old saying? That was Tisha Torres. I thought Tisha Torres could have been a top star in this division, but I see I see Zhang getting another top ten. Maybe Esparza, maybe Gedalia. Wide open for her. Did a really good job separating the action. She uh, went to the body of Torres an awful lot with kicks. I thought that was excellent. Really excited to see some more of her. Uh, Boza says, I agree. This was odd to place them on the main card. I wonder if Tisha leaving ATT to move to Denver with Rocky has affected her fighting career. She's lost three in a row. Could she move up to 125? Man, she's going to have trouble at 125. She is small as is. She gets in there with some of those big girls at 125. Like, I think you all underestimate the, like, against a Caitlin Chikagan, that's a worst-case scenario for Tisha Torres. Um, when I see Tisha Torres, I'm like, all right, she's still got a little bit of name value. I wouldn't release her if I was the UFC. Uh, like, what, what can you do? Can you run back the Watterson fight? No, it's happened. Maybe go, she's fought Herrig before, too. Maybe a random Marcos, but that, that happened on Tough, too. She's fought everybody. Well, Ben Askren hasn't fought everybody. In my opinion, this fight needs to be run back. He headlocked Robbie Lawler, number six, to a technical submission. Askren shot in immediately. Now, let me, let me show you guys the highlight of this, because this was unbelievable. What we saw here was... An honest-to-God Olympic slam from uh, <laughs> Robbie Lawler. Yeah, Robbie Lawler, rather. Now, I don't want to get demonetized, so i got to show it to you all quick. An honest-to-God Olympic slam. And then what happened to follow up was some sick ground and pound. From Rob, or from uh, Robbie Lawler, I thought that Askren was knocked out. To be honest with you, I was very shocked to see uh, Askren survive this. I thought maybe he went out for a split second twice. Askren does survive and manages to lo- land a, a side headlock. It wasn't a bulldog choke per se. Lawler's hand did go down. If you're in that position, you have to know better than to let your hand go down like that. But Herb Dean checked on it. Lawler raised it up, but it just wasn't enough for him. And immediately he said, man, I'm sorry. Now, I saw a couple people saying, oh, Askren, title shot. No, run this back. This is the co-main on whatever the next title fight is. It's going to be Covington and Usman. Askren, Lawler, two. This is a storyline. This is ready-made. You had an amazing... Lawler threw one of the best Olympic slams I've ever seen. I've seen hundreds of them, maybe thousands at this point. Somebody says, I'm surprised Askren was stopped, but the TJ Cejudo fight was stopped early. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. There was like 20 unanswered punches there. This was a guy who was not out being perpetrated as out. Now, that being said, what he did was not intelligent defense either. Now, as that pertains to a all things considered, a top 10 UFC fight. 
I think you let that one go until somebody taps. I don't think his, his jaw was in, in danger of being crushed there, even though it was across the jaw. I wouldn't call it necessarily like the worst decision ever. What I saw was Lawler's hand go flat, Herb Dean check on it, and he had a reactionary thing. He was looking to protect Robbie Lawler. However, what he did was cost Robbie Lawler half his purse. You have to watch this fight. It is outstanding. They have to run this back, and they have to run it back ASAP. Not necessarily ASAP. Undercard, Usman, Covington, Co-Main, Lawler, Askren. If somebody falls out of that main event, bam, you slide one of these fellows in there, preferably Askren. There you go. I would put another high-level welterweight fight right underneath that too just to preserve your co-main event. This is a damn good fight. And uh, a lot of respect to Robbie Lawler. A lot of respect to Robbie Lawler because a lot of people would not have been happy about this, but he... I think he knows he's probably getting that rematch. Class act, that man. And um, this was this was fun. But the, the, the card peaked at the Olympic Slam. The card, in my opinion, from a quality standpoint, was downhill from there. Let's go to the highlights. Kamaru Usman defeated John Jones, or actually Kamaru Usman rather, uh, defeated Tyron Woodley to become the uh, UFC welterweight champion. I'll pull it up and then bring it up here. Kamaru Usman had an outstanding performance. Uh, I can't say enough about this performance in particular. This was him doing exactly what he had to do to win. And he dominated every single aspect of this fight. And uh, when when I see a performance like this, I'm like, man, is uh, it makes me wonder where's Woodley at? Is is this him going on the downslope? I fully expected to hear Tyron Woodley talk about retirement. I don't think he should have been talking about running it back by any stretch, but. Let's take a look at this. Kamaru Usman defeating Tyron Woodley to become the welterweight champion. We saw a big takedown early from Usman, and it was control from then on out. Usman ended up just just wearing away at Tyron Woodley. It wasn't even close. There There was a couple of times, there was one instance where Usman seemed like he emptied his gas tank but still had plenty for round number five. I saw that the fight metrics and, and all that and all the stats, and I was like, man, I, I saw that they said that Woodley landed like some amount of of strikes, and I'm, I'm thinking, where? When? And I didn't see it. This was a molly whopping of epic proportions. I did not ever expect to see um, – to see Tyron Woodley big brothered like this to the point to where I'm a little stunned. Colby Covington was outside the cage uh, watching on. I bet there's going to be some good shots of that. The only qualm I have with Usman was he was begging to get guillotined all night long. And I don't know that 
Colby Covington doesn't guillotine him from some of those positions. But Woodley wasn't able to pull it off. Usman had really wailed away at the end of round two as well. And again, all just, all respect to Woodley, but no thanks on that rematch talk. Get in there with somebody else. Work your way up. Somebody else named uh, not named Wonderboy Thompson. And now this opens up Woodley to, to some other fights. Woodley and Ponzinibbio, maybe. Cool. Covington is next. Goes after Usman on the way out. Dana White confirms as much after the fight. Uh, I was going to try to show you guys <laughs> highlights of the main event, but, but we'll see uh, how that goes. The, the article is down for some reason, but I'll pull it up on UFC's Twitter feed. This co-main event was a dominant performance. Not one that you, you have to watch, but if you want to see a situation that, that you may have never thought you were going to see, that's a damn good one. That's a damn shocking one. UFC light heavyweight championship. John Jones defeats Anthony Smith. I think everybody saw this coming. This was the story of the John Jones fight. He controlled Anthony Smith. It wasn't even close. And when Anthony Smith got in or was had that distance close, he did a good job breaking up the clinch, which I really appreciated. However, as we mentioned on the Fightful uh, pre-show, Fightful MMA podcast every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, if you don't let John Jones know that he's in a fight early, you're never going to pressure John Jones. You give him too much time to break you down as a fighter. Sometimes being a raw fighter is the best thing you can do with John Jones. If you've ever heard him talk about the OSP fight, uh, he said, man, OSP is so green, even though he's experienced, that he doesn't know what he's going to do next. So I didn't know what he was going to do next either. Experienced fighters and really tactical fighters or really good fighters, sometimes Jones can break down their tendencies, good and bad, a lot better. Now, John Jones runs into some issues. A lot of people said, oh my God, illegal soccer kick. A soccer kick is only illegal if it is to the head or to the balls. You can throw one. You can land to the legs. You can land to the body. You can land to the arm. If it doesn't land there, it is not illegal. You cannot call a hypothetical foul. Now, what John Jones did with the the knee was illegal. Should it have been? Hell no. Nevada has adopted all the new rules except for the knee rule. Uh, Smith's knees were up, but he had one hand down. Under the new modified rules, that is completely legal. However, Jones has to be aware, whether he's timing it or not, that this could cost him. Jones' biggest test to date in the cage has been against the rule book. Eye pokes and gouges and the downward elbows. And I remember he used to headbutt people. He thought headbutt to the body were, were legal. They're not. John Jones is John Jones's worst enemy inside and outside the cage. He was real close to this. Now, a lot of people says, oh, well, Anthony Smith could have taken the DQ win. We have seen in Vegas things like this be ruled accidental. And when that happens past this point, John Jones uh, could go to it could go to a, the scorecards and it could be a technical decision. John Jones could have still remained the champion. However, we've seen John Jones lose or almost lose the title 
via being stripped and car accidents and drug tests and this and that. But we've also almost seen him lose it because his toe broke off. He had that toe taped up tonight. I thought that was kind of interesting. Jones really put over Anthony Smith after this event and uh, said that his, his nickname was was apt, the Lionheart. I thought John Jones was classy. Who knows how genuine he is? But I'll tell you something I really liked about John Jones this week. A video emerged on on UFC's Twitter of him backstage just going up to Conor McGregor and saying, hey, tell me about that hook kick. Tell me about that kick that you do. And you see a very excited Conor McGregor teaching John Jones one of his kicks. And I'm like, man, that's, that's the makeup of a champion as far as, as the brain goes. You're never above learning from anybody in your craft. And you got one of the best in the craft teaching one of the best in the craft. That was a very cool moment to see. That was very awesome. John Jones got to be Tiago Santos next. Got to be. That's the right move. If he wants, he wants to fight four times a year, he says. I'm okay with that. I think it's the right move. Well, let's rock with it. Four times. John Jones this year. Dana White's got to be thinking, hell yeah. Especially when you got UFC Wichita next week. Dos Santos versus Lewis. Boy, is that a one-fight card if I've ever seen one. Can't wait to not think about that card all week. But this card tonight, man, it was stacked. It was a it was a good card on paper and in execution up until the end. We will preview UFC Wichita on Tuesday. We will get Showdown Joe's thoughts. We will talk about Benil Dariush and Tim Boach. Ben Rothwell, Blagoy Ivanov, Curtis Melender, Zaleski Dos Santos, Junior Dos Santos. What, what, what all the Dos Santoses? Hmm. Joseph Boza says, did this card make up for the crap at UFC 232 when John failed that test? I feel like that's why he took the fight on such, uh, such, such a quick turnaround. Barely two months. And I respect that about John Jones. I've always respected John Jones in the cage, regardless of those issues with the rules. I've always had a, a great amount of respect for John Jones uh, in that regard, and I admire the fact that he's not chasing a super fight. He's looking to stay in his division. He's looking to to fight people that are up and coming. I like it. There are people in that division he's already beaten, but there are a whole lot of people that he hasn't. Among those top 15s that he's beaten, Shogun Hua, Alexander Gustafson, Glover Teixeira, Ovent St. Peru, Daniel Cormier, Anthony Smith. That's six of them. There's still a whole lot there for John Jones. And um, I like the makeup of 205 pounds. I will expand on that Tuesday. Please join us, uh, FightfulMMA.com. We'll be here. Leave us a thumbs up. We are on podcast platforms everywhere. iTunes, Stitcher, uh, YouTube, iHeartRadio, Spotify. We're all over the place. Thank you guys so much for being with me. Join us for our live coverages. Join us for our Pick'Em. It's a good time. Help us grow our MMA side. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Thank you guys. Until next time.
we're out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.